0: Space fans, and welcome to another episode of the Supercluster Podcast. I'm Jamie Carrero here with my friend and colleague Robin C. Mangle, as usual. And on this episode, we're joined by a special guest, Sawyer Rosenstein, who recently was a participant in a zero gravity flight that had some unique characteristics. And I'll toss it over to you, Robin, to introduce.
1: Thank you, Jamie. Uh, Yes, we have a very special guest on the show today. Uh, Sawyer is a good friend of mine. We've been colleagues uh, for many years now, covered uh, quite a few missions, even more recently, Inspiration4. Sawyer is a news producer, a podcast host, radio host, space journalist, everything under the sun. He does it all. Sawyer, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. It's so good to be here. Did I miss anything there? Did I miss anything there, Sawyer? Any titles that I don't know about? King of the World, Master of the Universe. Oh, no, no. Master of the Universe. (laughs) Um, Uh, Celestial Overseer. Celestial Overseer, (laughs) Watcher. I love it. No,
2: you pretty much nailed it.
1: (laughs) Sawyer, it's great to have you on the show. You've been such a big part of the space community for so many years now. Sawyer is from the Space Shuttle era. Oh, absolutely.
2: Yes. Yes. The first launch I ever <laughs> saw was STS-130, which is Space Shuttle Endeavor, in 2010. And my first ever mission as a member of the NASA Press Corps uh-huh. was STS-135, the last shuttle mission in 2011.
0: That is legendary. Oh, cool. Okay, so I, I don't have to feel too old then. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Sawyer, you and I have been in the press for the last few years, working SpaceX, working ULA missions, NASA missions. You did something really, really cool recently. It was reported uh, in the Washington Post and all over. It was talked about throughout the community. It was an accessibility flight. It uh, of a new initiative to begin the road to inclusivity and accessibility in space exploration and space flight. And this project began this road with, I believe, 12 individuals flying on a zero-g parabolic flight. And all 12 individuals had a disability. Is that correct, sir? That is absolutely correct. It is called Mission Astro Access. Amazing. And one of the co-founders of Astro Access is George Whitesides, who used to be a part of Virgin Galactic, and he's been leading this project, right?
2: Yeah. And I should point out actually that during the flight, I did have some people that were there with me for safety and Mm -hmm. just to help as needed. One of them was George Whiteside. So he was helping me throughout the flight along with uh, Will Pomerantz, who is at Virgin Orbit.
1: Yes, uh, we know Will. We're lucky enough to work with him and Virgin Orbit. He's also a good friend. And uh, Will is, if you folks that know responsible for helping out the Patty Gray Smith fellowship and the Brooke Owens fellowships. And he's really a leader in our industry and really a person who fights for diversity uh, every day, especially with these programs that he helps launches. So I'm not surprised to hear that he was a part of this.
2: Yeah. And I should point (laughs) out he's there on his own volition. None of them were there with any of their space organizations. They just as people wanted to help really advance space right. exploration and make it accessible for everyone especially as we enter this new commercial space era right, yeah. right. Absolutely. yeah and there's
0: all you know there's all kinds of reasons of course why that's tremendously valuable but i want to stop for a second and just dive into that flight for a second can you tell us well, well first before i ask about the experience tell us the specific goals that they wanted to achieve what did they want to demonstrate was possible on this flight
2: it was actually really simple the demonstration was just to prove that Anyone with any disability can fly into space and get around in zero gravity. So, I mean, it differed depending on the group. There was a group for people who are blind or low vision. There Mm. was a group for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. And then there was a mobility disability group as well, which is the one that I was a part of. So... For me specifically, my goals as someone who is paralyzed from the waist down with no use of their legs was to basically prove that I could station keep or stay in place, Mm -hmm. that I can move point to point, and that I can basically get back to where I need to get back to, i.e. if it were an actual spacecraft, get back into my seat.
1: Now, were you guys happy with the results so far?
2: So far, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that we were also trying to prove is that the modifications we made on that flight were minimal. Every, Pretty much every single modification that we tried was something that was
0: purchased over-the-counter at any store that you could buy anywhere. Wow. Like- That's an an incredible statement you just made. Because when you think about it, just to highlight that, when you think about it, you're like, okay, so we have to send some people to space. Everything is going to be custom. Everything is going to be super specific, shiny, anodized aluminum from the future. But essentially, (laughs) you're just saying like, yeah, I can go to space. Let me me go down to the Walmart and I got you.
2: Yeah. I mean, literally, for my specific situation, one of the big things was making sure that I kept my legs together and they didn't spread apart and do the splits as Mm -hmm. painful as that sounds Yeah, because they you know you really don't have much control of the legs once you get into zero gravity if you can't control them yourself so we literally took a piece of fabric and some velcro and attached it to my flight suit and so it was between my knees and ankles and i just unvelcroed it from one leg and then attached it to the other and that kept my legs together for all 15 parabolas that's a very
1: Uh, neat solution yeah Um, Yeah. low
2: rep solution
1: i like that Yeah, for my
2: landing area to represent a spacecraft seat for me specifically, it was literally a foam wedge pillow that you could buy at Kohl's or Walmart or wherever to help sit up in bed while you're reading. And that was duct tape to the floor. And then my landing target of basically, you know, where they wanted me to be and my hips to specifically be as I came down from zero gravity Mm -hmm. was marked with duct tape.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. Duct tape is a mainstay in space inspiration. Yeah, Duct tape and Velcro. <laughs> yeah. I was with Sawyer when he got the news <laughs> that he would be flying on this flight. We were sitting at the pre- we were at the press site, right, Sawyer? Yes, we were. Yeah, we were sitting at the press site, waiting for inspiration for launch. And uh, it's always fun to be there, especially when you're working a crew mission. But Sawyer, since we're still in the wake of that mission. Yes, you got your news, and that was really amazing. I remember us like high fiving and hugging, and it was such a, a cool moment when you found out that you would be flying on this uh, zero G flight. But tell me about your reaction to Inspiration Four, because I think these two things are linked here. Haley, um, the chief medical officer on Inspiration Four, she's the first astronaut to go to orbit with a prosthesis, right? An internal prosthesis. Yep. An internal prosthesis. And does do these two things connect, Sawyer? Is, does that mission speak to accessibility? Does Are these two things linked?
2: Oh, 100%. It is absolutely a great stepping stone, especially to see that a company like SpaceX is willing to say, you know what, that's not going to hold you back. Let's get you into orbit and let's get everybody possible into orbit. Right. And I have to say, after a flight like that and knowing about the Astro Access flight that was coming up, that really made it feel like I could go to space. Because for the longest time, I always thought, okay, you know, you need the right stuff to go into space. You've got to be super fit, no medical issues at all. And I figured I'm going to fail instantly because I can't even stand to go through the door to the interview.
0: So. um, Yeah. And clearly – As you just pinpointed, like that type of barrier, think of all the people who are shut out, all the diversity of thought, all the brilliance, all the inventiveness, all the creativeness, all of the types of people who just because they don't have the body of an athlete test pilot, weren't going to space. And like, maybe we're reaching a point where that barrier, which is when you think about it not really the right barrier to set up for picking like who should invent our future you know it shouldn't necessarily be who has the greatest lung capacity right Right. (laughs) um maybe that barrier is coming down i think
2: it has to at this point especially as we are venturing away from nasa and you get companies like virgin galactic and blue origin and spacex now you know branching out beyond just nasa specific missions here and I mean, for the longest time, like I said, I never thought I could be an astronaut. So I thought the best thing I could do is surround myself with everything else space related, meet all the astronauts, go see the rocket before it launches, go be there as the rocket lifts off, greet the crew as they come back, you know, right. everything except actually fly. Watching that mission take off and knowing what I was about to do, I really thought, you know what? It is actually now possible for me to go to space. And especially after coming back from the flight and seeing how easy it was for me to maneuver around and how great it felt to be weightless it really struck me that oh my gosh i want to go to space and this actually might be possible
1: all right so let's say you have your choice right now of three vehicles (laughs) you only get to choose one sawyer Oh, you're mean. That is mean. By uh, the way, this is a commitment. We're going to write no, this no, no, down, no, 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 and no. you're going to be held to it forever. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to rephrase the question because I don't want to put Sarah on the spot. Because if he gets one of these seats, I get to hang out there with him. So I don't want to risk that. I'm going <laughs> to oh, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say. Let's talk about all three vehicles now. Obviously, we brought up inspiration for uh, how's Dragon looking to you. Is that? I mean, isn't that terrifying? You're flying on a Falcon 9 rocket. You're going to orbit. You're chilling for three days. Do you think you can do that? Do you want less time?
2: <laughs> I mean, I'll take as much time and space as possible, but it's absolutely, I mean, scary. Yeah. If you're not scared, to think about going up on top of a controlled explosion. You're crazy. Right.
1: right. But. So you'll I mean, take, you'll fly on all three.
2: Absolutely. I would fly on all three. I mean, it wouldn't hurt to maybe do suborbital first, but if SpaceX yeah. came up to me tomorrow and said, hey, we want you on the next Crew Dragon. I'm signing up.
0: Oh, okay. yeah. It's, okay. I feel, it seems to me that there's a point where even if you know you would be terrified, you would do it anyway. It's the yeah. type of thing where like if there ever was something that would make someone overcome their fears and limitations, it would be a dream like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I literally was in a plane that nosedived about fifteen thousand feet for thirty seconds every wow. time so I could yeah. float. <laughs> that's
1: that's <laughs> a parabolic flight. Yep, yep, that'll do it. And it's also, I'm kind of terrified of that. The 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 that's idea- why
0: Very. That's why there's very few windows on that plane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I also think that there's. I mean, for me personally, the, the closest thing I could compare it to, I suppose, is you know, really huge roller coasters and things like that, but. Uh-huh. Uh, Just to make that comparison, there's a moment of surrender where okay, the machine is doing this, and I'm gonna feel it, (laughs) and
1: you know I'm not in
0: the cockpit, I have no control, and so let's you know let's enjoy it and enjoy the strangeness. And that's
2: the thing is it,
0: it really is comparable to a roller coaster. I mean, it's such a hard feeling to describe that
2: weightlessness.
1: Yeah,
2: I think the best way to describe it is you know when you get to the top of the roller coaster and it just starts to arc over right before you get thrown down at full speed, you kind of feel like you're lifting out of your seat. Yeah, it's like that. But then you never get thrown around because everyone thinks about it like a roller coaster. But it's actually so gentle. You're
0: the maneuvering around is so light and airy. And
1: how long not, how, to, to long extend did we...
0: that apogee, you would have to know I never thought about it that way until you just mentioned it. But in order to extend that moment, you must be gentle and smooth. You must have your curve, essentially, if you think of it like a, if you're graphing this curve, have a very long upslope and downslope so that you have that top part extend what is it
1: 30 seconds something like that yeah how long were you guys yeah how long exactly are you floating
2: so there actually isn't an exact number Mm -hmm. they give you approximately 28 seconds but it all depends on airflow we actually had a little bit of turbulence so there were a couple times we experienced negative g's and Mm -hmm. I recall somebody who I will save their dignity as we were getting ready to come out of zero gravity who started flying up to try and help me get back to the floor mm-hmm. and we hit a negative G patch and went headfirst into the ceiling pretty hard Ooh. oh man they're okay because again everything's all padded, padded right? yeah.
1: gentler I mean but- what is I mean there's gonna be stuff like that it's a plane d- nose diving like, yeah. these things are gonna happen and uh, from what I understand these zero G flights are very very safe and oh, uh, there's 100%. never i have, oh, I've never yeah, heard of, yeah. a, of an incident It's before. also
0: interesting to note that that shift in G-forces while untethered is more extreme than anything that you'd ever experience in normal spaceflight. Unless something yeah. has gone very wrong, that moment of shift is only going to occur in the training. Well, there's yeah. a
2: few because you've got the, you know, the zero G portion, which again is... About 28 seconds, if you Mm. ask anyone that's done it, especially on this flight where we had tasks that we were trying to accomplish, Mm -hmm. it felt more like 10 seconds. Right. It Mm -hmm. went by so fast. But on top of that, once you come out of it, you then have to go back up the arc again, if you think of a parabola, which meant Mm -hmm. we had about 1.8 G's pushing down on us uh, on the way up. So it's not just weightlessness. There's also hypergravity, too. and It's one of those things where they tell you, don't move your head. Otherwise, you'll, you know, live up to the Vomit Comet name. Right, right, right. Um, You focus on one point of the
0: ceiling. Yeah. And then uh, they did suggest... You kind of
1: lean in that direction, right? Yeah.
0: You You don't want any, any like, torque on your 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 balance system. You just want a
1: straight line up into the air. You pass out. Um, (laughs) I love that part of Interstellar, because they wrote that into the script, where Matthew McConaughey... Uh, has to lean on his a uh, seat to the left really, really, really hard. And it's a significant amount of time in the movie that they're showing right. you this. It's also in the right stuff. I think that's where Christopher Nolan got that. But um yeah. you have to Sorry makes a great point. It's like don't move your head. Yeah. <laughs> the, One you thing black I out. did
2: I did try and they suggested it of lifting your arms up during the parabola uh-huh. just to see what that weight Correct. feels like. And it's so bizarre because there's no real force against you except mm. gravity itself. Right. So it's not like someone's trying to hold you down, but you lift your arms and you expect them to just go up mm-hmm. and then they don't. They're, you're pushing. It feels like an invisible force is holding you down, like someone's literally grabbing onto your arms and saying, no, you're not lifting them. But Oh, yeah. because it's you're like-
1: fa- Because you're floating in the airplane, but remove the airplane. You're just falling down. Well right and there's no
0: and and like Sawyer is saying there's no external object pushing on you there's no anything it's you know it's almost like you're the tin man and Magneto is just controlling your body <laughs> right, you know right. like yeah that seems kind of magic one one thing if you don't mind i suppose a more personal question as as a wheelchair user who was not one for their entire life if i'm understanding your story Correct. correctly Sawyer yes i was sucker
2: punched by a bully in middle school for those who are unaware Oh, man. Yeah, that's what caused the paralysis. I was
0: 12 years old at the time. And at the time of this recording, I'm now 27. Right. So I I suppose the question I'd like to ask then is, as someone who had a certain type of mobility and then had a major shift in the way that they move through the world, what was it like, if only for a few minutes, to have yet another major shift in that feeling? It
2: was one of the most freeing experiences you could imagine. The craziest thing is it starts off with a Martian parabola, then two lunar parabolas, and then zero G to kind of get you acclimated. Mm. I was not expecting to get much out of those. The Martian one, I kind of just hopped around. So I literally would push off in my hand, bounce up, and come back down. Then we get to the lunar one. So I expect to do the same thing. So I push off the floor, and all of a sudden, I notice I'm rising. My legs acted like a pendulum, and... All of a sudden, I look straight ahead and I'm standing. I'm actually vertically wow. standing and upright Wow! for the first time in 15 years. And thankfully, George and Will were right next to me. So I put my arms on their shoulders and just stood there. And I remember actually shouting, oh, my God, I'm standing. That's amazing. And that was the first time in 15 years that I'd ever been eye to eye with anybody without them having to kneel down to me. Or- That's
1: incredible, Sawyer. That's, to see
2: the world man. as an able-bodied person is expected to see the world
1: imagine how transformative that image can be if Sawyer went to space or if someone who you know is disabled and in a wheelchair went to space and stood up for, and said that imagine the the communities around the world that would feel that oh yeah
0: i get goosebumps yeah. just listening to that story it yeah. makes me think again how profound it is that when you fly to space we changed con we change our context completely right. things that used to matter don't matter things right. that didn't matter matter more and it, right. it's just that's an incredible moment you described sorry thank you yeah thank I, you, I remember
2: so. after that we came back down and i uh, i mean ev- all of us had a huge smile when we realized what we just did and i remember will and george asking all right what do you want to do for the next one i just
1: said i want to do that again and so, <laughs> of course <he> <laughs> so, you yeah. know did you guys and, get a photo of that moment or i, I saw yes. some photos by the way but the photo did you get a photo with you george and will on each side of you yes i have that photo and now, i want published published.
0: to i want to animate this story by the way <laughs> have you guys published
2: that photo yet sir that one in particular no but i have it and hmm. it is cleared for use
1: so we'd love to share that I can send if, that to you. Yeah, absolutely. we'd love to like, share that on social. So if oh, you're listening, yeah. pop over, pop over to Superclusters Instagram. We'll uh, we'll try to share that photo of George, Will, and Sawyer. All three folks are friends of ours. So it sounds like a, a really heartwarming and endearing moment that we want to see and, and share. Yeah,
2: it was. It, it's amazing. And looking back on in the picture, I'm still you know, grinning ear to ear. And it's yeah. I didn't expect to get much out of the lunar parabolas. And I I think I got so much out of that personally. Obviously mm-hmm. it's not as beneficial for the mission of what we were looking to accomplish, but mm-hmm. from a personal perspective, that was unreal. And then you get to the actual zero gravity portion and everything is, you know, light and free and a couple things with it. The first I remember realizing at one point during one of the parabolas of why do I feel even more strange than just floating. Yeah. And I realized that I wasn't in any pain.
1: Wow. All of my oh, wrist yeah. and shoulder mm-hmm.
2: and neck pain and back pain that I have just from wheeling and maneuvering and transferring right. on a day-to-day basis, my body kind of just stretched out into a position it finally felt comfortable with and said, "All right, I'm good. No more pain. Keep your Advil."
1: That's wow. amazing. I mean, gravity it is it's a force of the universe that permeates our lives to the second to the second and removing it from that equation changes everything so so much oh yeah
0: Yeah. it's been a constant for all of human existence for hundreds of thousands of years and then in the last little the last little blink of a moment we've found
1: microgravity Hey, right.
2: yeah, I have to say, gravity's a real downer. It is. Thank <laughs> you. Oh you. Okay. Sawyer yeah.
1: is Sawyer's dad jokes. Oh, oh there we used go. to say, man, gravity kills. <laughs> <laughs> As I mentioned yeah. before, Sawyer and I are good friends. We've been working together many years now, and I can say firsthand how difficult it is for members of the disabled community to do, to operate in, in this world. I feel like the world is not where it needs to be for inclusivity and equal access and i'm hoping that in space we can start with that that should be the baseline
2: yeah and again the a couple more things one one more that really well i'll say a few that stuck out to me one was i I've, everyone's got to do the flip so i asked for some help for one of them like all right i want right. to go upside down right. so they <laughs> turn me like the hands on a clock and i'm upside down. And my brain for a second went, wow, everyone's on the ceiling this parabola? That's crazy. And then it <laughs> was like, no, dummy, your head's on the floor. Your feet are on the ceiling. And uh, you don't really get that sensation because the blood doesn't rush to your head. Yeah. So That's just crazy. It feels well, the also- same as
1: if you're upright.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the idea of... Oh right, you have no upright. Okay, actually. You, got, you, you guys have,
1: already you already lost me here and this thread of being where Sawyer is in the airplane. Well, we're just saying, <laughs> Robin. The
0: core, the core, the core idea is yeah. that, like, let's say you know you, you and I go to amusement park, we flip upside down right uh-huh. now. We're gonna yeah. feel that upside down right, in our right, body. Right. Yeah. But the only, I guess, what Sawyer is saying is the only way he knew about upside downiness is by yeah. looking at something because and he just, didn't right. feel any. Downy or upsiness. You needed a
1: point of reference to know that you were upside down. Right, which
2: makes it really interesting. I can't wait to hear from some of the people who are blind or low vision how that that
0: affected them as
2: they can't use that visual
0: reference. Oh, right. Just for overall or positional orientation and space and all that. Totally. Exactly. One one thing I did want to mention just for context is we talk about space being perhaps... Um, a new frontier amongst other things, a new frontier for accessibility. When we think about the situation on earth, at least as I'm familiar with it as a US citizen, when we the American with Disabilities Act, uh, sorry, Americans with Disabilities Act, which provided for most of the things we might take for granted, which frankly probably aren't even enough, but things like handicapped parking spaces and ramps right. and all these things that make it, you know right. the, the design of door handles, things to actually make it possible for people with disabilities just to live their everyday lives. That's from 1990. That's I know. how recent that is. That's that insanely. Yeah, that is not an old thing. So no. when we think about transforming our world to truly welcome all perspectives and benefit from all intelligence and perspectives and creativity, we're just now beginning it. 1990 was not a long time that's ago. That's yesterday.
2: Yeah. And that's why that's the other thing is that when you look at commercial spaceflight, I mean, Virgin... And Blue have both really done their first flights in the last year or two, right? which means we're super early on. And we're at a point where as people are developing these private spacecraft, it's the perfect time right now to add in those little things that will make it accessible for everyone, whether that be right. some extra you know, Velcro pieces Build it in. or straps. Build it in now. right? Exactly. Build it now. while it's yeah. still so early on and right. still so adaptable. So it's not like ADA where you have to retroactively mm-hmm. fix all of the old stuff, right? Everything after yeah. the ADA has to be built with those modifications already into them. So I feel mm-hmm. like now is that point where this flight I'm hoping is that kind of ADA style moment that says, okay, spacecraft builders, Look, it doesn't
0: take too much to make it for everyone. So add in these couple little things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's a new world. We can design it from scratch again, you know, in the same way that sometimes you see a developing nation have much more technological, um, uh, integration into their society because right. they're starting now versus you see legacy societies having all this bad technology because they were, you know, in the past, the colonizers and have been wealthy for a long time. And so right. it's kind of like, you know, better subways if you didn't have an old subway to begin with. right. Um, right, right. but the other thing that I, that I feel like I want to emphasize is often the rhetoric is in terms of making it possible for people to do something. Like how can we let people in? How can we give people access But the way I look at it, particularly when it comes to the incredible out of the box thinking it takes to really explore the galaxy, this is about maximizing our human resources. If we don't set up total accessibility, we're cutting off all kinds of Mm minds from our endeavors. And so it's vitally important, I think, that we include all of humanity in humanity's greatest adventures. Otherwise, we're just not going to go as
1: far. That's exactly right.
2: Beyond perfect. I mean, on this flight, there are people that, there are multiple people that are actively involved in NASA missions right now and making them happen and running them. And they have been denied the chance to actually get that feeling of weightlessness and spaceflight, even though they're literally working in the spaceflight industry. So it's so nice to open it to everyone. And I remember someone gave me a piece of advice the day before, and that was, Take one of the parabolas and literally just use it as a snapshot. Look around, take it all in, and keep that mental image forever. And I remember using that parabola and looking at everyone floating and spinning and going all over the place. And if you told me, okay, pinpoint which of these people has a disability and which one does not, I couldn't tell you everybody was floating exactly the same they all were struggling to adapt in the same way to zero gravity Mm -hmm. and then once they got the hang of it they were all maneuvering around like it was nothing like there's nothing holding them back the same way it really was a great equalizer i think that
0: zero gravity turns what we have from a disability to a super ability Oh yeah. I mean, that's incredible. And you really pinpointed it there that it's not just that you can't see their disabilities. It's that they literally don't have them anymore because it's no longer required that they have these certain aspects of their human body operating a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, like, as you said, everyone gets to space and they fumble around and feel upside down and nauseous and can't figure it out for a day or two. And then they figure it out. And so it is an equalizer. And the other thing is that When we look at the things that people can do to overcome a disability, it often gives them and I I mean, I'm preaching the choir here, I'm sure, but it gives them an ability that is rare because you could say, oh, well, I can't speak. So I use sign language. But the inversion of that, the other way to say it is for them to say, I can communicate to you without even speaking. And most people can't do that. So and there there becomes this category of extra powers. What and is the interesting a disability? Thing, the interesting
2: know? thing also in there is I was talking with one of the people who uses sign language on that flight, and there was an interpreter with him as well. But one of the things he wanted to try was he flipped upside down and had a conversation with the interpreter.
1: Oh, well, wow. The
2: interpreter was right side up. That's and a they cool would both out. understand each other.
1: That's a cool experiment.
2: Yeah. Imagine trying to basically turn a potato chip bag upside down Mm -hmm. and try and read it. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what they're doing.
0: I also love the idea that maybe no one had done that before. Like maybe there were some, you know, some gymnasts who were deaf or something who tried it, but you know, Mm -hmm. like the idea of these new experiences is also really just fun. Totally, It's,
2: It's so cool. And again, to see all of this come out. And the other nice thing is that the adaptations that they're making for People with other disabilities impact all of us, so right. one of the things they had considered was you know a light system for the people who are deaf or hard of hearing to let them know when we're coming out of the parabola because oh yeah,
0: normally right. it's just someone with a megaphone
1: right,
2: and something like that would be helpful for every one of us yeah well visual that's visual the aids thing is aid. no
0: that actually does highlight a kind of like parallel path where on the one hand, you could be making something accessible, but on the other hand, you're just creating redundancy, which is right. always a great right. thing to do in spaceflight. Like, when I think of, you know, to use a simple example from everyday life, when I think about a doorbell that lights up for someone who can't hear, great. well, there's no reason that people who can hear wouldn't benefit from a light flashing, because right, it's just right. one more way to know what's going on. And mostly, if you're alerting someone to something in space, everybody really should know about it. And there's any number of reasons why maybe you can't hear right now, and so, what you end up with is not only a system that's more accessible, but it's just stronger overall for it's everybody more
1: redundancy too.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Exactly.
1: I love the road that this opens for not just the disabled community, but for everyone. I think we'll discover things about spacecraft and human spaceflight when we start building them for everyone and not just like Jamie said, U.S. Navy SEALs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, and, uh, there's also
0: um, there's the idea of, of literal new perspectives. Like, you know, it's, I guess it's difficult to come up with an example because I'm kind of pointing to things that might be discovered that we don't even know about. But, you know, let's consider what it would be to put a blind person as the sonar operator on a submarine. Like, I don't know if they've ever done that, but it seems to me that you probably would want to. Right. Like, Someone to try who- and... Right. Yeah. Someone who looks at the entire world. I mean, obviously not just through hearing, but largely through hearing. That's someone that you would want to put on the instrument for which hearing is the super skill. And you start to get into these categories where it's like, wow, people have had to adapt in ways that is going to make them even better at exploring the universe. I mean, there is a sci-fi direction. I want to take this in, if, if you don't mind in a minute. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, actually, we're almost out of time, oh, and no. uh, and uh, Sawyer, we have a million things that I have like a list of things that I wanted to talk about, but that's we'll have to have you on the podcast again. Twist my arm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sawyer and I did a, a project a few years back, yes, in uh, Waco, McGregor. We could talk about it a little bit because Sawyer brought up how he became disabled. A bully punched him. We went down to Texas. We worked with SpaceX and wktx texas a uh, central texas news station
2: kwtx yeah
1: K-W- I, I always get it wrong jesus yeah, uh, the k's and the w's i yeah, never yeah. know i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry to my uh, friends down there i do still work with them uh, to do correspondence from uh Good old terrestrial Internet.
0: broadcasting yeah, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> our friends down there so yeah sorry and i went down there we did a project with the local news station and spacex where we went around central texas to different schools. And we talked about uh, bullying. We talked about being your best self, standing up against bullies. We were there with the mayor of McGregor, Jimmy Herring, and his wife. The Herrings lost a son uh, in a tragic ATV accident. And uh, yes. their son was actually someone who helped others and was an extraordinary young man. And him himself carried with him a anti-bullying message. So this yeah. this whole this whole project really worked out. But Sawyer and I also went from school to school showing everyone Rocket videos. That's really awesome. Cool. I mean, yeah. obviously,
0: I'm in favor of both of those things. But, yeah. you know, it probably wouldn't come as a surprise to too many people to hear that, like, yeah, I was like a smart, bullied nerd in high school and middle school and all that good stuff. So I definitely relate to that that kind of... Experience and why it's something you know not it, like obviously in in the present case there can be these extraordinary ways it could change your life physically and injure you in ways that probably no bully would even intend in right, the first right, place. Right, but it also you never just know carries, what
1: that can lead to. Yeah, and that's never, kind that of the lead.
0: thing is like why even play with that kind of fire? But also just from a you know personal worth and self esteem point of view, it's a really great message to be spreading around to people that like you know you don't need to let yourself be defined by other people's yeah. view. And then, yeah, rocket launch videos all day long. Like, all we need day to be long. shooting those everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sawyer,
1: <laughs> Sawyer, I think I'm putting this out there. I think that Sawyer's leadership in that project and what Sawyer did, I think that qualifies you, my friends, for a seat on Dragon. I think that if anyone's listening out there, I know SpaceX listens. I want to see my buddy Sawyer fly on Dragon, and I want to <laughs> see that barrier broke, and I want to be part oh, yeah. of his VI- VIP team. That's behind the scenes during the launch. So take your,
0: take your ninja suit <laughs> number.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I volunteer as camera operator for any and all situations. So, <laughs> if Sawyer flies on dragon, yeah. Um, no, I, I, I really, I want to see this journey continue for you, Sawyer. I always ask all our guests this: orbit, ISS, or moon. Um, if you had to choose a destination, would you say all three, or would you play it safe and only go to one of them? Oh, I, I mean,
2: I think I would start with orbit. Okay, so we're going uh, so you're going multiple times of course. Yeah. I mean that's, <laughs> that's like the perfect proving ground cuz yes. you're not yes. you're not bound by what's already built upon the ISS. You're right. not right. and you know, obviously lunar gravity is better, but I still can't completely stand on my own in it. So right. I think less gravity the better. For myself, yeah, orbit is a perfect chance to mm. be able to experiment with the simple idea of exploring my own freedom. Feeling that, you know, sense of I'm literally on top of the world and nothing has held me back despite everything that's kind of literally held me down and figuratively held me down here on the planet with disability and the chair. To be able to be free from that and just literally float on top of everything is it's, an, oh. it's a dream, and you're going to oh, do yeah. it, my
1: friend. No,
0: I think I think this this accessibility flight is truly historic, and I yeah. don't use yeah. that term lightly because it's the beginning. You know, just to reemphasize of letting the entirety of humanity participate in what in probably the most important exploration endeavor of our modern times, and that t- is a turning point. You know, like just sending a bunch of physically fit white men to the moon is about as narrow an arrow you can shoot at a target (laughs) as you can get. And so when it comes to what are we going to discover, what are we going to find out? I want to shoot all of the different forms of arrows to kind of beat up that metaphor. And if Um, I can, there's
2: on our mission patch, which we had a mission patch, which is still really cool to me. There is a saying on the bottom. And it's omnibus ad astra, which is for everyone to the stars. Oh, I love and that. I feel like
1: that's so appropriate.
2: I love absolutely. that. That's a,
1: that's a really great message. Sawyer, thank you so much for your time. I would love to hear you tape a radio show or an episode of a, a podcast from Orbit. That would be crazy. Oh,
0: absolutely. The one thing, maybe this is for next time as like a teaser, but the one category we didn't go into that I do think is worthy of exploration, and Sawyer, I'd really welcome your perspective on this is when the conversation moves not just into a category of accessibility, but actually advantage. Sure. Because consider for a mm-hmm. moment, a person who has had some unfortunate circumstance allow, requires them to lose their limbs and then allows them to grow an expertise with digital limbs, with, you know, physical prostheses that are controlled by their nerve single, signals that are robotic and all that. Suddenly, there's sort of a cyborg human who has trained their mind to control a physical machine. Okay, now transport them to space. And suddenly you've got some kind of exosuit like from Alien, who better to operate that than the person for whom a brain-machine interface is already second nature? So the category I'd love to talk about and we don't have to include this at the end of the podcast here.
1: I'm going to ask Sawyer if he's willing to wear a mecha suit. Are you <laughs> willing? Actually, to wear a mecha? I would love to do another episode <laughs> like, where we no just explore
0: the idea. What you is
1: would it? Not, you would actually
2: <laughs> actually fun fact. Astroaxis has been working with the MIT Media Lab throughout the first flight and oh, continuing to work with them. Uh-huh. And one of the things that I had discussed with George about potential futures is what if you build an exoskeleton? There we That's go.
1: He told you. <laughs> no, the the, is the, you discussion, to the yeah.
2: discussion is already happening. Whether That's it's nice going time. to happen or not is yeah. another story, but that idea is already a
0: consideration. I love it. And and I love the media lab. But yeah, that's what I'm saying is it could get to the point where it's like, look, I don't want to send John Glenn because he doesn't know how to hook his legs into the Mecca legs. He doesn't know how to do this. And there's a whole other, you know, there's a whole other different ways we can go with it. But that's where I'm really fascinated is because space is so redefining of the requirements. That we yeah. really have to reconsider what the right stuff is. I mean,
1: will the word disabled even have meaning in space some for yeah. some folks? I anymore? mean, look, we can look. You know? I mean, you'll get me on a
0: rant, but look at the Mercury thirteen. We had a group of women who arguably were gonna fit better into the capsule just because they were shorter. You know what I mean? Like right. they we're starting we really have to reevaluate the requirements are. Yeah, right. Anyway, kind of a tangent. <laughs> um it <laughs> does make me think of all that
1: wonderful stuff. I am gonna have nightmares of Sawyer attacking me in a mecha suit. <laughs> you he's know, I friend. wouldn't attack you. I'm like no, I'm, I'll be on your side. I will be no, the that's behind bizarro, That's Bizarro Sawyer from the <laughs> other universe. The <laughs> <laughs> triangle <old> beard, right? <laughs> Sawyer, when are you heading back to Cape Canaveral, buddy? Whenever Crew 3 decides to launch. Oh, so you are covering Crew 3.
2: Yes, I am. Yeah. I it's actually was kind just of a headache. Yeah. I was just out to the launch pad Saturday, mm-hmm. went mm-hmm. out uh, on a boat and right. did one of the Starfleet tours and got oh, some stuff. Oh, yeah.
1: Shout out to our friends out of Starfleet.
2: Good yeah, friends of so
1: ours. I'm definitely there
2: for crew three. I try and be there for you know yeah. any and every mission I can, especially with crew on board, because right. you know one day I'm going to be there and it'll be me. At
1: yeah, man, you're, you're now. Sh- shut covering shuttle crew to now covering Dragon crew. With, and and Sawyer's only 27. I don't know how young you were when you started covering space. Well, I was 17,
2: 17 at the press <laughs> site, which at the time was, illegal. was the youngest member yeah. of the yeah. press corps. Which, yeah. suck at John Krause, I beat you by a few months. You did, uh, um, <laughs> you <laughs> I did. Think of jokingly and lovingly, because yeah. I'm friends with John. Oh um, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, I love John yeah.
0: I'll never forget though that first time I met him was STP two, and we were like riding the NASA bus, and he was still, you know, I mean, he's still young now, obviously, but he was like even more <laughs> green, and he's like asking us all the questions like should I do this? I don't want to go to college. And we're like, no, you got it, man. Like you're good. And we're like, "Giving him advice. And I just love to see him like grow into his career. It's fucking dope. Like, I I don't mean that. I know that might sound condescending, but I really don't mean it that way. Like he's a great dude who just set his sights on something and went for it. And I always, I love to see that.
1: There's a lot of similarities between Sawyer and John. And Sawyer, I do want to see you go to space. And uh, I do want to see John go to space. Um, so both oh, of yeah. you are opportunities I want to for see him me. out the capsule window from the next capsule over. Yeah. And both <laughs> of you are opportunities for me to be behind the scenes, which I'm excited for. <laughs> and I also want to stick my head in the, the dragon cupola. From, for uh, I'll, I'll, see, I'll see what strings I can pull for <laughs> you. Yeah. If you're listening... I <laughs> really just want just to put my head in the cupola. I don't have to be in space. I can fake the background. Just oh, let yeah. me stand in the yeah. cupola. Says the man, man who literally fly in a green screen for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it says the man who literally lifted
2: my chair in and out of the car multiple times while we were in Waco, Texas.
1: Man, I I don't even remember doing that because like I, I Honestly, what made me so mad, Sawyer, of traveling with you to Waco and doing all that like uh, i'm I'm your friend. I'm willing to do that anytime, any place, but I'm so fucking pissed about how inaccessible this fucking country is. I'm sorry, I'm venting now. I just oh yeah. You know, was I know, struggling just, to get I, on the
2: airplane. God, God I just
1: like, it's. Every, you would think.
0: Why? I mean, honestly, you would think there was no fucking ADA because know, it's like, what? It's like oh, yeah. you're gonna put up a, a like two inch tall step barrier because yeah. you don't give a shit, and you can mm-hmm. easily fix it in like ten minutes. Fucking, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah I don't know if you uh, remember lots of cursing at the end of this podcast, but yeah, it's yeah, for a good. Mean, I, mean, so, literally, literally, I don't
0: content, but like, there's several people in my personal life who are wheelchair users as well, and so I'm so like, yeah, I have this pissed off. So mad about it. Literally,
2: the ramp to get onto the the flight to waco from dallas Mm, was the ramp was longer than the planes they couldn't get me into the the plane i remember (laughs) i was so
1: mad at all those attendants i was just like i'm gonna be a new york asshole right now and just (laughs) sawyer's from new jersey so me and him make quite a team oh yeah yeah. (laughs) I i used to work
0: with a photographer in a wheelchair and we basically would plan shoots around having at least two people just to carry it yeah, because we're just it's, like it's going to be fucked up, and yeah. if she has to get in, we're yeah. just going to carry it, and we yeah. just we're, be like, "What so, the hell, man?" So yeah. To
1: end this podcast, the theme is we're building a foundation for accessibility in space, so we have to deal with these everyday problems. Number one, but number two, we still need to push for more accessibility here on Earth, in our country, in our cities, even at Kennedy. Everywhere we go, we need more accessibility, or we need fair accessibility. We need. Uh, facilities and equipment that everyone can use. Yes. Period.
0: It's exactly. not extra. It's not extra. It's yeah. getting just up to no. zero, up right. to
1: equity, <laughs> right, up to baseline. Right. That's where yeah. we're starting here. Come on. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Uh, Sawyer, thank you so much. I will have you back on the show. Maybe not. We're not, we, we, we are covering crew three. If Ericuna can make the new date, as everyone knows, Jenny Hotman is uh, still in the hospital. Uh, her surgeries yeah. are going Well, day by day, obviously, there's always little complications, but she spoke for the first time in two weeks on Saturday, which was amazing. And like I said, she's making a slow and steady recovery. All Jenny is thinking about right now is getting back to the launch pad. So that's her goal. And uh, we're going to be there to support her throughout that process.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And just, you know, uh, maybe this is just like a personal side note, we should think about things we can do to speed that up. We should even like Sawyer, maybe you're a good person for her to talk to, because I wouldn't be surprised if she has to spend a fair amount of time uh, recovering in a wheelchair for this, if not an extended period of time. Yeah. Yeah, And I feel like we should show her that she can get back on the launch pad Oh, yeah. much earlier than maybe she's thinking. Even yeah, if, no, it absolutely. if it, absolutely. If it means we really well. like, get her there and wheel her there and who yeah. cares? Yeah. Like, we should get her there. You know? oh, we
1: will be. We're going to be getting her down to Texas yeah. for, for Starship. One so. thing, yeah. Robin.
2: Mm-hmm. Just don't forget the transfer board this time at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> well, he left our, uh, yeah. Yeah, we got all the way back to the hotel after going to mm. the airport and realized we forgot the board that I used to get out of the car. Oh, so, man. The
1: transfer board is very, very important and I will not <laughs> and I'm, I'm prepared for Jenny's coming out of the hospital. I plan to be there by her side, whether she's in a wheelchair or not. And yeah. I have that experience because of traveling with Sawyer yeah. and right. getting to learn that world and getting to know what obstacles are in the way. And my personal feeling is that these obstacles should not exist. Um, and yeah. I'm really glad Dude, that there's frequently leaders.
0: frequently so damn simple to fix, right. too, which so pisses I'm, me off. I'm really proud
1: yeah. of this community. Thank you, William Pomerantz and George Whiteside's for leading the way in creating equity and, and diversity in our programs,
2: and also another huge thank you to Anna Volker, who is one of the yes. other co-founders of this project, who also works right. with SciAccess. So. Right,
1: amazing. The company that does the flights—it's
2: what is it, sir? The Zero G, the Zero Gravity Corporation. They mm-hmm. were fantastic as well, and Tim Bailey, and actually got to chat with the CEO as well. They're fantastic people, fantastic company. Amazing,
1: too. amazing. Thank you all to Involved in getting this project off the ground. Sir, how do folks find you and your, your space reporting? Where can, uh, what channels, what website?
2: Well, you can always follow me on all my socials. I am the NASA man. and then yes, <laughs> That's a good one, dude. Nice. He's, he, okay, he owns that,
1: though, because he's been around since Shuttle, so he can have yeah, that. Yeah,
2: man. I, I, I first got that Twitter handle
0: in 2008, back
1: wow. when it was, w, it was Ooh, TWTTR. Yeah. He was yeah.
0: Twitter
1: number, user number five yeah. or something. No, <laughs> you
0: beat me, you beat me by, by a year on Shuttle. I saw one of the last ones, but it was not 2010. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. So uh, you can find me on all socials as
2: the mm. NASA man. That's right. I do all my tweets and photos and everything. And Mm -hmm. then I also do the Talking Space podcast, which is available also in all podcasting forums. So if you're looking for a more longer form, Mm -hmm. in-depth kind of look to go along with this podcast. Very good
1: podcast.
2: I think we make uh, good duo partners. We did.
1: Okay, so apart from the McGregor thing, Sawyer and I took a day and went to Houston. We got to hang out in the, 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 the neutral buoyancy lab. We watched Sawyer. I don't know if you know this uh who was it was it Soshi who flew in uh the Japanese astronaut yes it was We watched him train in that neutral buoyancy lab. Oh, that's
0: so rad, man. One of my dreams is to just do a shoot in there, to just like um, go down in a scuba suit and shoot for a few hours of that training. Because there's only one or two really wonderful pieces of footage. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's one of the most beautiful training facilities in the world. It's an incredible
1: place. Sawyer and I got so lucky, man. Yeah. They took us around. We got to watch astronauts train. There were Navy SEALs there. We Went around Johnson. Sawyer and I got to like fly the Starliner capsule simulator and yep. we just did all this cool stuff that we we definitely have to talk about on another episode. And we'll talk about Orion and stuff too. We did a yeah. bunch of Orion stuff. Oh, we got, yeah, we clearly have a whole other episode that needs to go here. Oh, we got so
2: much more to talk about here, yeah. Especially as we continue with Astro Access, and hopefully we'll have some more flights. There's more info on that on astroaccess.org. Obviously, the biggest thing is funding, because it's entirely nonprofit and Mm -hmm. entirely, you know, dependent on the kindness of
1: others. Are you going to stay involved in the program, Sora? As long as they want me, they're stuck with me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Sawyer, so thank you again. We'll have you back on the show sometime in the future. And I will see you down at Cape Canaveral soon for a mission, I'm sure.
2: I, I'm holding you to that. And Rob and oh, Jamie, thank <laughs> you both. Oh, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I'll we'll be down there real soon. And yeah,
0: I think, I think that wraps it up for this episode of the Supercluster podcast. Everybody check out more great space stories at supercluster.com. And remember, space is for everyone.
1: And also... If you want to read more about Astro Access, our friend Chelsea Goad at space.com did an article. Uh, Christian Davenport at The Washington Post did an article. You know, pull those up and follow Sawyer on social media. Thank you, guys.